0: Thanks for choosing this podcast by New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of Toledo. Enjoy and reach new heights in Jesus.
1: Good morning. One second. That's
2: my paper. Good morning. <laughs> I have an announcement. Go
1: Ooh. for it.
2: We have a slight change to the mission calendar for the year. Um, on September
0: 11th, we were going to do a youth jam. Youth jam is being postponed. So in its
1: place on the same day at the same time, we will do a to School Bash block party.
0: Okay. Sounds like a plan. Um, real quick, a couple of requests. Uh, folks are having some stuff. Jason Wellington texted me this morning. He was in the middle of, uh, he took a job that was supposed to be done early this morning. They, they start really early where he works, like 6 a.m. He was supposed to be done in time to be here. And he picked this to say he's stuck on the job, and can't get here. So he asked us to pray for him. And then at the same time to pray because he's been having pretty consistently migraines. Um, so pray for his migraines if you would. And then uh, Monica, I can't get her last name. Oh, Smith, Monica Smith was going to be with us today. She's Ryan Block's uh, mother, and Ryan was with us at camp, and I was going to pick them up this morning, and she texted earlier this morning and said that they have family emergencies, so they couldn't be here. And so, I don't know what's going on exactly, but I don't know what the situation is, but I have to pray for them. And then I'm going to call some names in the neighborhood. So, it's uh, Gail Rusinski of 2055 Star, Rolanda and Michael Lopez of 364 Gessner. Richard and Karen Murphy of 358 Gessner, Bud Limbach of 356 Gessner, and Charles Boonen of 350 Gessner Street. So we'll pray together, and I'll toss in this with it, and uh, we'll jump back into worship. Father in heaven, we are grateful. We have lots of reasons, lots of blessings to count, too many. Lord, we We'd get wrapped up in it if we really went after it, and it would last so long. We might need a little help from a friend to remind us just how blessed we are. And we're grateful for your Holy Spirit in us, that you remind us how blessed we are. Father, we ask you to help us today as well. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit with a horse voice still left over from camp, and I pray, word that that doesn't slow me down. Uh, yesterday, all day, my mom was kind of foggy from five nights of... Four and a half hours sleep. Uh, it was a good time, it was a blessed time. I thank you so much for those young men who their life to Christ. I pray for Jason's migraines, or whatever what's causing it, and well, you know, you're certainly able to deal it, take care of it. Other
3: health concerns, I pray for Brother Tony's hands, I pray for um, Sister Jim's
0: ongoing fast, I pray for Brother Tony Tate's marriage situation and all things he's trying to get through there. I thank you, Lord, that Mike's with us today, Mike Carter's with us today, and he's walking, um, because there was a moment in time in which he just couldn't, and now he can And so we're grateful for that. So I thank you for the desire for us to help students as they go back to school, just kind of get excited, to help them get excited about it. So I thank you for what's going on uh, with Mike's first football team, the Iowa football team, and all the ministry that we do there. Thank you for the light station, why you blessed us there and allowed us to uh, serve so many people all over the city to go with food and be such a positive witness for Christ. And at the same time, what we do with all glory? and ask you to take over the service, and help us to sing boldly, and you made it for someone who doesn't normally sing, or we'll help them sing boldly today, help them praise you today, help them put you uh, in their mind's eye, put you where you already are, which you on the front watch over Jason's heart as he's stuck at work and can't be here. He said, you'll be watching as much as you can. I've told miss Chris, For help uh, back in Denny We know that there's a lot of folks that we can make. But well, I thank you for the good reports about Jamie's mom.
3: Right? I pray that they become a reality and that she just once and for all pretty and clear. And
0: I just think... These things that could plague us, they could tempt us, they could distract us. and I ask the Lord to let them be in your hands and you take care of them. Father, this blessed uh, at home verse in John 3 16, you know, you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. If you would just believe, maybe you'd have eternal life. We know that there are people on these blocks, we don't know the names we the called today. How many might be among them that do not know Jesus? You know that there, by statistics, there are literally millions of people in the world who don't know Jesus. And that's, that's a terrible thing. Whatever part we can play, if this goes out on the internet, if you can watch it later, we hear on a podcast where
3: they touch the harmless at work or at school, we'll help more and more and more for more and more people know about you. pray all these things and Jesus. Says, yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah.
0: What happened? What happened? Are we okay? I've had a couple of experiences where I've gone to camp with kids or with youth. Um, the last time I went to camp before this, we went to Camp Bayoka in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and I was some teenagers. Some of those teenagers are now in here and married and have kids and whatever. Um, but uh, when we were there, one of the things that struck me was that the people that I went with, and they weren't all from our church, again, it was just a couple of them from our church, um, people I went with really stood out at a camp. And so then I get, the last day, and say, no, like, or, you know, so-and-so, like Amalia, they're so mature, they're so grown up in the Lord, they know so much about God, or, or whatever, and, and that's kind of, you know, humbling to me, because, you
3: know, in case you hadn't looked around, I was like, we're not a really big church when it comes to numbers or whatever like that, um,
0: but we believe in the God of the universe, and Jesus is Lord, and we are learning what the Bible says. So that's what this camp was like. Caleb and Jason showed up in a huge way. It wasn't just them, Ryan was huge, Javier was huge. Um, Javier got a bunch of votes for outstanding overall camper. He didn't win, but he got a bunch of votes for that. And um, Ryan and Chris, who rode with us, and, and even Gabe, and Gabe had some difficulty with like for the times where he didn't want to work the program, like he didn't want to participate. We had that problem with him a little bit here or whatever, because he got a little bit of a value spirit times and stuff. But everybody that went with us just really, God really did a thing. I don't know why that is. And then Jason, okay, show your trophy. Jason got outstanding camper in the area of fundamentals or foundation. And what that basically looked like was from day one. Every time there was a question, you would always get the answers right. But he would try. Ninety-nine percent of the time, they were right. You know. And Caleb was the same way. They both would raise their hand. They would try to answer. Um, and at one point in time. Who was up there when you, was it Lawrence Funderburg was up there talking when you first got
3: up? I don't remember. It
0: might have been Doug Worthy. Yeah. Anyway, he was up there talking, and there, there, he, Doug was trying to get the kids involved, and Jason raised his hand and said, you know, I, I, I'll re, I want to read a verse. And he literally got up next to Doug, read the verse, explained what it meant, and then it might only last about three minutes, explained what it meant, and then told people what they should do about it. Like a mini sermon in three minutes. And Doug was just like,
2: <laughs>
0: like his, his jaw just dropped. I mean he couldn't believe it. And I'm not I'm not trying to build Jason up. It's Jesus, right, Jason? It's not Jason, it's Jesus. Okay? And so we have been blessed as a church. And this is an example now camp was paid for in part by cooperative program funds. That camp is maintained in part by cooperative program funds. So it means we give. When you give your tithes and offerings, they go to the private program, the, that portion of it that we, we vote on, what, how much we get when we give some private program, that maintains the camp. So they have uh, other camps. We were the eighth camp this year. And everybody that was in that camp was young boys between the ages of 9 and 13. I think I might have had a 14-year-old, but 9 and 13 is really. Um, and so if they can keep it going, they want to. And if they can't keep it going, it's going to be an every-year thing and every-year an opportunity and none of our boys paid, none of the boys, like uh, Ryan, his mom couldn't have paid for him to go. There were so many boys there, there's just no way, I mean, I say no way, but God can do anything, I know, but they didn't need to do that, they didn't need to break themselves, it was really hard, and they got to come. Then I'll ask you to p- pray for a young boy named Teddy Ruffin, who was supposed to go with us, and he was sick, and I haven't heard, she thought it, they thought it wasn't COVID, but he was very sick. The day, the day
3: before we were supposed to leave so we would not go. And she shared with me that she really, really wanted me to go
0: because they haven't hardly been out of the house in a year and a half. And so we forget, as blessed as we are to be here in worship, so blessed we are to be here in participate, go to camp, do our block parties, all this kind of stuff, there are still people, it's, it's a much smaller percent now, but there are still people that are hiding in their home, terrified. And that's, I'm not trying to be critical when I say this, but that is the... That's the culmination of the way the news and the way people have presented all of what's going on in the world, is that there are a certain percentage of people that are just terrified. They're afraid to get out, afraid to do anything. They can't make a difference in anyone else's life, and it's hard for anybody to make a difference in their life because they are terrified. Okay? These boys literally walked 20,000 steps a day. Were, got, got out of bed every morning at 6.30 a.m. to do devotionals at 7. Did no less than two and a half hours of worship every day. Devotionals, Bible study, motivational speakers were all Christian based. Huddles, literally this was this, there, there was such a thing as a Christian camp that was drilling home Christian values, kingdom values, God's values, that's what it was. And I, and I believe that any boy that would come to New Heights would show up and shine and really perform. But the truth is, it wasn't just Jason and Caleb who gave, but it was Chris, and it was Javier, and everybody. And so you tell me, is God working in Toledo to take three boys who flat out do not know Christ, do not know Jesus, and whatever, and take them to camp and have them behave beautifully and perform well and accept Christ, but... Even before they accepted Christ, they really showed up, and so that's that's really cool. And it made Toledo and especially New Heights and me. But I kept saying no, no, it's Jesus, no, it's God. No, you know, I kept saying that all the time. Made us look really, really good. And so, if you get the opportunity to be involved, great. If not, please, do pray. I would love to see this happen every year. And our general feels the same way. Our was broken hearted because he we wasn't able to go this year, um, but it was really, really cool. And it took me about 36 hours to, to get close to recovery. Because <laughs> I was literally, yesterday, about 7 o'clock or so, no, it was maybe 6 o'clock or so, it was the first time my brain felt semi normal. I had to drive three and a half hours back after getting four and a half hours sick, days, four days in a row. And so I was doing everything, I, I was fighting falling asleep. We made it home. We don't have AC in the church band, it doesn't work, so we had to windows down so it was real loud. And, but it was good, it was really, really good. And I'm grateful that you allowed me the opportunity. I know some of you pushed hard
3: to make that happen. And I'm grateful that you did that. Thank you, Brother Tony, our deacon, for showing up for my family
0: and those who took them along and all that kind of stuff. Because I was I was blessed a little bit. And I think God's going to do some things out of it. Pretty cool. So, all right, Jason, take your trophy go ahead and see. Well, we're going to pray at this time and translate. Man, yeah, I
1: got a yes, sir. inspirational reading All right, let's do that. I'm with you. So, we're going to play a song, or Arden's going to play a song, I encourage you to listen to the the lyrics. I encourage you to read the lyrics, and uh, um, what it's really talking about is uh, walking through this life, through your Christian life, and uh, feeling kind of left left by yourself, alone, that kind of thing. So go ahead and play it, and I'll, I'll talk about it. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> my by the way, a Christian artist. Um, when asked like what was the meaning behind that song the lead singer Ryan Clark had this to say. As soon as I find it here. I don't why. Oh, it's,
2: it's
1: Sometimes it can feel like we walk alone in our beliefs and convictions. Although I know this isn't the case, I'd like to think that if I were the only one remaining person with my perspective, in the face of adversity, I would stand firm. The times you feel outnumbered and isolated can be those moments your stance brings the most truth. I know I've felt alone sometimes walking through this life. Um, It's all spiritual warfare all just the trying to get at you. You're not alone. you got brothers and sisters. you got and And at the head of it all, you got Christ. So, you're never alone. Uh, I just wanted to share a couple verses with you that go along with this. And it's really interesting that our last song we played is Live What I Believe. That's kind of what that song's about, too. You know, right? Standing in your convictions. But uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction... Which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Mm-hmm. Stand firm, win the race. Sorry, run the race. Psalm 139, 7 through 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, you and your right hand shall hold me. So, no matter what happens, whatever persecution they get you, whatever feelings of doubt or despair come across your mind, just remember that our God is bigger than any of those feelings, any of those situations, and He'll always protect you. And on this side of heaven... We'll always have you back. But after that, it's happening. So, thank you.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Would you pray for us as we transition then? And we'll take a little bit tithes and offerings and a little more worship. we <coughs> we <coughs> past week, or past week, we hit the boards of camps, for the board of we belong to, uh, to see fit to bring the professional athletes we would uh, either just take the time for to input the alive these boards, not uh, the stars, and across the state of the U.S. So, uh, it's amazing to see what happened to hear what happened at this and uh, to know that he was already working
2: in lives, way
3: beyond his past hair, and and his past we this day together, together here, uh, I to thank you for what have already experienced in the words that shared, and the want the
0: One of the speakers was speaking at camp. Uh, actually, uh, was there two years ago, and RJ met him, and he was a, became a friend of RJ's, and I guess they've talked some throughout the last couple years and whatever. Uh, his name's Kirby, and Kirby tell, told a story about when he was in the military of how uh, he was in a building and he had to wake up at four thirty in the morning, and he was supposed to be he was on watch, and he had to patrol the outside edges of the building. And as he had to patrol the outside edge of the building, everything seemed like it was in, well in order. In about 15 minutes, he got up and began. After he got up and began his patrol, a bomb went off in the building, and everyone in the building was uh, killed or maimed or severely injured. And, and he said they spent uh, hours, even a, a day, day and a half, searching through the rubble. They didn't have any cranes or heavy machinery or thing. They had to, you know, lever everything off and lift it by manual labor and everything. Um, and they literally had to pick the building apart. And as they were picking the building apart. They found lots of parts of people and soldiers and stuff like that. And they did find some people still alive and were able to get the medical attention and stuff. And um, he told that story. And as he was telling that story, just a few minutes after he told that story, he mentioned how Jesus Christ alone saves. And the Holy Spirit said to me when he said that, uh, just he said, boom. And I was like, boom, what boom? And then I remembered the story about the building blowing up, and I remembered the story that he was, t- where he was at and what he was telling them and how he was, um, just then
3: saying that Jesus Christ alone saves. And I
0: put two and two together and I realized at that moment in time that when you talk about Jesus, when you talk about God, when you deliver the gospel, the truth, of salvation, out of scripture, by the Holy Spirit, out of your experience, whatever. When you deliver that, it's like a bomb goes off in the room that is targeting evil spirits and demons. I want you to bear that in mind then uh, as we go to our text today. We will, by the time we're done, read the whole of Psalm 103, um, but we won't explain every single verse of it. We really need to drill down on the first two verses. So today, if you don't normally say anything, or if you do and you feel comfortable, uh, maybe say, boom. As we go to the text. And the text is from Psalm 103. Oh, Boom. Alright, here we go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, this this theme occurs in the Psalms in other places. If you go just a little bit to the right in your Bibles, you'll see Psalm 104 begins, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And he says, O Lord my God, thou art very great. And at the end of Psalm 104, I think it's verse 35, yep. Uh, he says, let sinners be consumed from the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord. And bless the Lord, O my soul, is something, I mean, you could say it at any time, anywhere, but I want to just give you the idea of what it is. Bless the Lord. Bless, this word here actually kind of means like praise, but it has a very specific word. So it's not praise like sing praises to God. It's it's a praise like get down on your knees before someone. So when you come in front of the king, you get down on your knees from him. Barak is the word uh, in the Hebrew, and it means to subjugate oneself or to lower oneself or to get down before the Lord. The Lord here is the Creator of the universe, the Maker of all things. This is God. This is the one who began it all has controlled it all, all the way along, and will eventually bring it, at least what we currently have knowledge up to an end and replace it with a new heaven and a new earth. Bless the Lord. Get down before the Lord, O oh my soul. And the soul uh, here could be even the heart, whatever we kind of think of it as. It's the center of the being. It's that place where your deepest and, and most driving emotions and desires and cares and experiences all sort of mesh. It's the soul. It's the inner Part, it's the processing center of your being. It's not your mind. That's the difference when you think about things. You process the, the stimulus that comes from your senses. This is like your center. And they always used to think of your center as being like in your gut. And so in the New Testament, you get the word splagna, which is basically like your, your gut is processing. And it says their guts are out of control. They yearn for their physical desires. They go after the things that they want, right? And here he's saying you need to take that center, that processing center, that middle of you, and bless the Lord with it. And to bless, remember, in this case, is to get down on your knees. Is to to uh, become prostrate before the Lord. So you've got to get your soul, or the psalmist is saying, get my soul down on its knees, if you'll allow me to use that language, before the Lord. He says, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So in other words, radiating out from the center of your being, which is now going to be prostrate before the Lord, to all that is within you, bless his holy name. And that word blessed, same thing. Get down or your prostrate, prosper. Come down before God to become less. Become less important, less valuable. Recognize your position before God. And it says his holy name. Now, in a, in a being's holy name is everything about them, right? We say God. Some people say, oh, my God, that's so pink. No, we don't do that, right? We don't take the Lord's name in vain. We don't use it uselessly. We're no, we're instructed in, in the Ten Commandments that we take the Lord's name very seriously. So you say, God, you better be talking to God. This better be about God. This is God, right? But it's more than that. The name of Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is God the Son. The name of Jesus is very, very important. And when the name of Jesus goes off, if you will, it's like a bomb goes off in the room. Sometimes I forget that. Camp reminded me of that very sternly because there was a young man there. We we'll just call him Jay. That's not his actual name, but this young man, uh, that's the beginning of his name, started with a J. Anyway, call him Jay. And Jay, we would find out after just a little bit while into camp that Jay was probably demon-possessed. He was very quickly distinguished himself as the troublemaker in camp. He was going after boys. Uh, the final incident uh, he insulted a boy and said some nasty things using some vulgarity about his mother. We didn't find that out until after the fact. And the boy threw a basketball at him, hit him in the chest, he got mad, and he went after him trying to smash him with a chair. And he had to be physically restrained, at least enough to get him out of the area. He, By the way, this boy is 10. Okay, This is not a 17-year-old, this is a 10-year-old. We got him outside, and he he could not physically say the name of Jesus. Say, just say Jesus. Can't do it. He would eventually he proved that he wanted to, and it, and it went like this. He, was, he said, hmm, hmm So are you trying to say Jesus? Mm-hmm. Say Jesus.
4: Hmm. Hmm.
0: He literally could not open his lips and say the name of Jesus. But by the time we were done praying over him and witnessing to him and talking to him and telling him that we loved him and comforting him and encouraging him and helping him to realize that he was not alone and that we were with him and that he could stand up against this thing that was affecting him, he eventually not only said the name of Jesus, but prayed to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and rebuked his own evil spirits or demons or whatever it was that was ministering to him, and told them to leave him alone, which they promptly did, and the very next hour you would have thought it was a completely different boy. You know some Bible stories that go the same way, right? The crazy guy. Jesus rebuked the demons out of him, and then they come. And the thing that made them so afraid, if you read the text, the thing that made them so afraid is that he was sitting there like a normal guy. And that's what happened to Jay. I thought it was especially potent and powerful because not afterwards, not only was he able to say, Jesus is my Lord, but he would say, Jesus, come, save me. Jesus, come, be my Lord. Jesus, come, forgive my sins. Jesus, come, live within me. I'll follow you, Jesus. He was saying the name Jesus over and over and over again, so he was excited to be able to say the name Jesus. The holy names of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus. Those words are holy, and that word holy means different. They're unique. They're like no other word that's anywhere. Not like the name of a person that you think is awesome, and maybe your dad or your sports star that you love, or your third grade teacher that really helped you through, none of those names, even though they, inst- they instill a thought in you, a feeling, an emotion, you start thinking, well, my dad really helped me, or my teacher really helped me, or my, you know, that police officer rescued me, and I'm, you remember his name, or whatever. Somebody's took a bullet for you, their name will gain great significance. But having gained great significance, they will not begin to compare with the name of our God because God's name is holy. It is completely different than any other name. You should not liken anyone, which means when you come back to worshiping, you should not declare the worth of anyone the way you declare the worth of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. In other words, everything that is in me, starting in my soul, but everything that radiates from my soul, all my wants, all my desires, all my thoughts, all my actions, all my tastes, whatever, all should bow before a holy God. Get your face down on the floor, because compared to our God, you are literally nothing. Now, to Him, you are literally everything. He would die for you. He loves you. He seeks after you. He he believes in you. He
4: sees the greatness in you.
0: Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And you already know what that means now. to For your soul to get down on its knees before God. For your, your soul to subjugate itself to God. For your soul to be prostrate before the Lord of the universe. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget none of his benefits. And now we have a job to do. And forget none of his benefits. That's the text for the day. As I said, we'll read the rest of Psalm 103 uh, before we're through. But everything that you really need to see, everything you really need to be, everything you really need to do is is in these two verses. The first thing that's in there is to realize that your soul, the center of your being, if you could say this, your innards, have to align themselves properly with God. Now, it's not something you can do personally. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to need that to get through. You're going to need that to succeed at this because he does send his Holy Spirit. He does purify our soul. He does begin to lift us up and to make us able to do things that we never were possibly able to do before. But your innards need to come up in line with the Lord of the universe. He's just that powerful. He's just that good. He's just that able. What would it take for you, for me, to get our souls, the center of our being, where we process our deepest decisions, our most important feelings, what would it take for us to get that in line with God? Well, for us to do that would be virtually impossible. It's not a soup, like you can control the recipe. It's not a suspension, like you can add a little more or subtract a little something. It's not a game, like you can move the pieces around. So without God, it would be impossible because you can't even touch it. You really can't even influence it, to tell you the truth. But then in God, you can begin to see what's there, what's in you, what's driving your decisions, what's being added to the The stuff that's in your soul, that's in your heart, you can see what's being added to that that causes the outcome or the output to be incorrect. The Bible gives us teachings about spiritual disciplines and we learn to pray. You pray to God. Well, I hope when you pray to God, you come to God like somebody who can actually do something about what you're praying about. If you pray to God like he's some fantastic character far away and he's not going to hear you anyway, then I wouldn't expect anything to come out of it. I hope when you pray to God, you pray to God like a servant. You pray to God like a respectful slave rather than uh, an owner. Like, God, you got to do this because I said so. God, I really need this. I'm going to need you to take care of this now. And if you pray to God haughty, prideful, arrogant, disrespectful, I wouldn't expect anything good to come out of it. So we know through prayer we submit ourselves to the God of the universe and we say, God, just like Jesus, ultimately your will, not my will, be done. Someone once said that prayer is talking to God, but it isn't God that gets changed in the prayer, it's us. And every one of the spiritual disciplines are like that. You can work through them yourselves. I'm not going to name them all, and they're probably more than I could name anyway. But the things that we're taught to do in Scripture, they submit us to God. But the problem, this is what happens a lot of the time, we make a mental decision in our heads to bow before the Lord and get down on our
4: knees and say, "Oh God, I'm going through some stuff right now. I really need You
3: to protect me. Will You provide for me? Will You pay that bill? Will You take care of me? Get a good
0: grade on this test? Will to get the promotion I'm looking for? Oh God, can You help me?" And our mind has gotten control of our body, and we've gotten down on our knees, but all the while, our soul is in open rebellion. Our soul wants what it wants from God because we think that's what will make our soul neat and happy and blessed and taken care of. But the truth is, we're not submitting our soul. And some of the time that we pray, you don't get what you pray for because you're not unified even in what you're asking for. You've got to bring your innards in line with the God of the universe. You've got to look at God and who He is and what God is likely to want from me. What God expects of me. What the Bible calls commands and precepts. But we understand our directions for how to live inside the kingdom of God. You've got to look at God that way and figure, out, okay, God, what is it that I am supposed to be? And then you take yourself, not just your body, but your whole self, and you submit yourself. You're going to have to stop watching certain things, stop intaking certain things, stop participating in certain things. You've got to begin to guard your soul and put your soul on its
4: knees, before God.
0: People say, well, I can't explain it. I'm depressed. Now, doctors and scientists have now diagnosed a thing called clinical depression, and that's not what I'm talking about. There is a thing that may arise out of a messy soul, but in any case, what it results is in your brain, you have a certain chemical, and you just don't have enough of it. It's a thing that would always return you back to an emotional even keel, and you just don't have enough of it. And without medicine, you're not going to have enough of it, right? And so if you don't get that medicine, you're never going to have enough of that unless God does a miracle. And God may and probably has in many cases. I don't know. I submit to you that Jesus was burning through that chemical very quickly the night before his death, right? As he was about to be arrested. The bottom line is, that's clinical depression. I can't speak to that because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. But here's what I can tell you and that is that everybody gets depressed. Everybody has emotional issues. Everybody struggles. Everybody gets angry when they can't explain why and things like that. And that is a product of what's going on in your soul. And when that is happening, your soul is not in line with God. You understand what I'm saying? When you're depressed in your soul, your soul is not in line with God. Don't think it is. Say, well, I'm submitting. I'm depressed because I'm submitting. No, that's not the way it works. If you're depressed in your soul, it's because you are. your soul is rising up against God. Your soul thinks it knows better than God does what your life is supposed to be like. So you say, well, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm disappointed, I'm complaining, I'm groaning, whatever, because the situation is not what I want it to be. If that's true, then your soul is not on its knees before God. Because if your soul was on its knees before God, the first thing you would realize is, okay, Lord, if you want the situation to be this way, if this is what you want to have happen, then who am I to speak against it? You understand? Depression anger, emotions that come out of your soul are your soul not. And so you ought to be able to recognize that as a symptom of a soul not submitted to God. When you have something going on that's coming out of you, you're producing something that is not godly, you have a soul that is not submitted to God. If you slip into complaining or whining or being critical of others or judgmental nature, that is a soul not submitted to God. If you're a Christian, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to recognize your soul's not submitted to God. You repent and you put your soul on its knees. God has given you control of your soul now in Christ. So you put your soul on its knees before God. You may have to invoke the name of Jesus. You may have to read your Bibles and figure out what the heck is going on with me. You may have to pray. You might have to break out and sing some worship. I, I held a small baby in my arms and its mother said, she can't be hungry. I fed her an hour ago. I checked she wasn't wet. No poop in her diaper. She's crying uncontrollably on the verge of screaming. Couldn't figure it out. Mother had been going through a stressful hour and that's why I was holding her. I'm like, something's wrong here. And so I said, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. And by the time I got through the chorus, one time, she stopped crying. She was not upset. There's nothing wrong with her. She smiled at me. Her eyes twinkled. The baby rose out of where it was, struggling in her soul. Something's not right. Something's not right. Something's not right. And just the song. Now you You could say, well, music tames the savage beast. That's what they say, right? And I and I don't disagree, which is why we, one of the reasons why we pray, submit your soul, get it on its knees before the God of heaven by praising him and let your soul come in line. I could go on on this topic for a while, but the bottom line, what I'm asking you to do is in Christ to recognize when your soul is run amok, when it's running over, when it's getting out of control and say, no soul, get on your knees before the God of heaven. Not before me. Don't demand your soul submit to you, although God can do that for you. And has done that if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But demand your soul submit to the God of the universe whose name is holy, whose person is holy, who literally is in charge of everything. If you are fretting, worrying, if you are concerned or regretting, if you are over-the-top anxious, angry, if you are depressed, there is a good chance that there at least is an imbalance in your soul. And this is what's an imbalance. When your soul thinks it knows better than the God of the universe. Why would it think so? Well, let's see. It's eternal. It's untouchable. It functions in the spiritual realm and we don't. It's a lot more than a human being
4: inside you. You can't even mess with it. You can't touch it.
0: It has the ability to go into the throne room of God, to be in God's presence. You don't have that. I don't have that, at least not yet. Of course, it has a lot of reasons to think it's something pretty special. But the bottom line is, Between you and God, you've got to decide for your soul to submit itself to the God of the universe. Get your innards in line. Second thing to see in here is maybe like an easy action plan to get your soul in line. At the end of the second verse, he says, and don't forget any or forget none of his benefits. What are the benefits of God? The benefits of God. Well, the psalmist will go on and give us a bunch, but let's just talk about them in general for a moment. You have to work to not forget. Again, spiritual disciplines. You can journal, right? You pray thanking God. I pray and a lot of times my prayer follows the ACTS patterns. The first thing I do is I adore God. I recognize how God, how powerful God is. Second thing, I confess my weaknesses or our weaknesses if I'm praying for us before God, submitting our soul to the God of the universe because we are screwed up. That's the bottom line. You're human. You're still here. You're still screwed up. You might be getting better and better every day, but you still got issues. Everybody does. Welcome to the club. That's human being nature. And then I thank God for what he's done. And then I ask God for what I would like to see him do. But I don't start asking God. That's what people do. They get on their knees. Oh, God, please. First words out of their mouth are please. They haven't submitted their soul to God, but they're going to say, please, God. You have a responsibility to submit your soul. First, submit your soul. Do not forget a blessing. You ought to keep a list. Right? Pastors preaching. Praise music's playing. If you aren't singing for some reason, you ought to have a list of your blessings. And then
4: that list should just get longer and longer and longer.
0: thought I had one in here. Here's one, sort of. It's got some Bible verses mixed in. You should have a list of blessings, things that God has done. What has God done? Well, shoot, started with creating the world, hung the stars in the sky, the moon, the sun. Gave us breath, literally breathed life into Adam. You could start there. Know what you know of the Bible. If you can't think of, it, if at the moment your soul is a mock and you can't think of any blessings that God has done in your life, which would be a shame if that were true. Because at the very least, you ought to have your family, your friends. At the very least, you ought to have your pastor, your church, your money, whatever things that you can see that is good for you that God has blessed you with, and you can count, ought to be able to count those as blessings. But maybe you're misusing them, and you're having a hard time thinking of them as blessings. Then you go back into the Bible and think about the blessings of God, what God has done, a summary, if you will, and you can always come back to Psalm 103. So, do not forget a blessing. A blessing that, you have, that God gave you specifically that you have forgotten is like lost money. Now, I got a $50 bill.
4: I went to the beach. About an hour later, I couldn't find it. Lost money.
0: Right? Those blessings, they're in your tank. They are the very ability to submit your soul to God. When your soul rises up and says, I'm discontented. You answer your soul. Don't wait for God to do it. You say, oh, but soul... I got my wife, I got my kids, I got my house, I got my friends, I got my place, I got my job, I got my money, I got all these things, the sun is shining, the air is free, our country is still free, such as it is, I can still speak out, I have a job to do, I have a ministry of reconciliation, I got children to raise, or I got people to feed, or I got a truck to drive, or I got a, the list just goes on and on and on, you ought to have such a list so long, and if you need to make a list to be able to get it when the time comes your soul is getting out of balance, and you ought to say, wait, stop, soul, We actually are super blessed. You're not to forget a
4: blessing of God. A forgotten blessing is like lost money. And then, on a side note for the third
0: point, and it's not specific, clear in the text, but it will be as we read later. There is no counterpoint to a blessing. Here's the real problem.
4: Your soul is used to processing
0: like if a, it was a computer processing many things every moment. Your mind is far less complex. You're trying to use a Commodore 64 mind to control a what? 11th generation Pentium processor. And that's not the way it works. So all you do is you say, soul. Get down on your knees before the heaven before the God in heaven. Instead, this is what we wind up doing. I'm so blessed I got plenty of money. Oh man, because that bill coming as dollar. Well, I'm so blessed, uh, you know, this person's in my life. Yeah, but they said this and that. Or I haven't talked to them in a few days. I don't even know how they still feel about me. I'm so blessed I got my church because, yeah, but my church's not all that big. And plus there was that one time that one person did that one thing. Oh, and then there was that time that one person pretty soon. The blessing that you would count as ammunition to get your soul aligned. Your soul can thwart you. Your soul remembers everything. You may not. You ever do this? You go down to pray and you go, God, here I am. I'm screwed up before you. I know you're awesome. But I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about some stuff that's going on. And by the time you get to like the second sentence, talking to God, stuff's popping up in your head about, oh, you should have done this. Oh, you should have done that. Oh, so-and-so said that. Oh, things aren't going there the way you'd want them to go. You know what that is? That's your soul run amok, reminding you. Or an evil spirit, maybe, reminding you, which you can shut down. You can put an end to it. You can say no more. Just the same as you can with a child. And by the way, a child is like a next generation processor. Adults are not able to think as fast as children. Children don't have the dynamic knowledge that you have. They don't have the experience that you have and the wisdom. And if you're a Christian, they haven't been submitted to the Lord as long. But they are thinking five times as fast as you are. Five times as fast as I am. That's why they like to play video games. Because it's the only thing in the world that goes as fast as their brains. That's why they like to play sports. Because then they they get in their bodies. Like, finally, I can stop thinking about a thousand other things and just do something. There is no counterpoint to a blessing. You got money? Period. Not, but I don't have enough money. Not, but I have a bill coming. Not, but I need more. Not, but I got to find a job. Not, but I need a promotion. But just,
4: you have money? That's a blessing.
0: You don't have money? That's a blessing. You say, but I need money. That's a counterpoint. That's not a blessing. That's a counterpoint. You say, "But but I need money for that bill. If you don't have money? That's the blessing. You got enough health, enough air in your lungs to get up and do something? That's a blessing. You say, but I'm overweight, but I'm tired, but I have pain, but I have this, but I have that, but I have that, but I have that. Those are all counterpoints and your soul begins to run amuck because your soul can do that all day long. And you will get tired and fall asleep before you will beat your soul in an argument about whether something is a blessing or not. I was at camp and the Lord said to me, here's a few things I need you to do. I want you to do this, this, and this. These are things I want you to change about yourself. I want you to do this, this, and this. After we got done with that boy Jay and he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I had to walk up to the cafeteria. I could have rode on the golf cart. He and the other leader that were with me, they were riding on a golf cart to go up. But I had to walk. Because the Lord has spoken to my soul. The Lord has spoken to my heart. And the Lord was working in my mind and I had to bring the three of them together. And as I walked up the hill, I prayed a prayer that sounded like I was crying out to God. You'd have thought I was dying. I was I was weeping and my voice was already raspy. You'd have thought I was literally on my deathbed with cancer, crying out to God. And what I was asking for was nothing less than that my soul would get on its knees before God. That my heart would come in line with that. That my mind, all things within me would come in line. I just want to serve God. I just want to tell people about Jesus. Well, I understand some people are not going to listen. Yes, I do. But I just want to do what God wants me to do. And I'm tired of hearing all the reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't, why you won't, why you don't. I'm sick of it. Just do what you think you need to do. Let's live for Jesus. To get there, we're going to have to get our souls on their knees in front of God and realize that he's in charge. He gave you the chair you're sitting. He gave you the building. Put the electricity on. He gave you the house you live in. He gave you the groceries that you have. He gave you the decision-making ability. He put the breath of life in you. The God of the universe has literally, get this, made you heirs, if you're a follower of Lord Jesus, made you heirs and joint heirs with Jesus so you own the field that sits next to the house you live in and the field that's across The city from the house you live in. You own the governmental building downtown, which will be long gone because God will be remaking the earth and I don't think it will be governmental buildings. You own it all as heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. But we're all fretting about the situation that we're in because our souls are a hodgepodge mess of alphabet soup and raw meat. And we're going, What? It's going on. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like what the news said. I don't like what people tell me I got to do. I don't want to be restricted. I want to be free. I want to have my rights. But if I have my rights, I don't want to actually step out and see people looking at me while I have my rights. It's, the whole thing is stupid. The bottom line is you've got to decide to put your soul on its knees before God. And you do that by rec- first and foremost, by recognizing the blessings that you have and giving God the glory that he deserves for those blessings. The psalmist says it this way. We're going on from verse 3. And I won't break everything down. I hope you just read, just listen or read along and digest it the best you can because we're coming to the conclusion
4: already. And forget none of his
0: benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from the pit? Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion? By the way, All of that is available to lost people who don't know Jesus, just the same as it's available to saved people. But here's what happens. Saved people get saved and they get all of it and they realize it's available to anybody and they start thinking it ain't no big deal that they're saved. And it is a very big deal that you're saved and become an eternal being. Crowns us with loving kindness and compassion who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. God does that. God keeps you going. God makes you into what you can possibly be. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. God is forever bringing people out as the underdog. The underdog's always rising up. The prayers about Jesus' birth, about John the Baptist unleashing on the kingdom of God, they were all about how he was going to take the poor and the sick and the blind and the paralytic and the, the hurting. All those people who didn't know how awesome they had it he was going to lift them all up and save them and make them eternal. Any paralytic lives paralyzed on the earth for a 100 years is going to go to heaven and he's going to dance like he knows what dancing is. Most of us don't dance now, and we're going to get there and have to learn what dancing is. Most paralytics would go, let me dance for Jesus if I'm healed. And y'all been healed, and where's the dancing? And I'm not judging, I'm just saying, bottom line is, the Lord performs righteous deeds and the judgments for all those who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his acts to the sons of Israel, which was really cool for them and then they still screwed it up. And then he, and then it became the word of God for us and we're still screwing it up. Because instead of submitting our soul unto the Lord God, putting our soul on its knees before God, instead of taking charge and saying, no, I'm a child of God and I'm not going to let this happen, not on my watch, instead of doing that, As He made known to us, just as He did the Israelites, we can do that. Instead of doing that, we're letting our souls kind of shake and shiver and run amok and reach out and touch things in our lives when they should be submitted to God. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. That's God's trait, right? That's not God's trait toward saved people. That's God's trait. That's who God is. In the Old Testament, they could look to a day in which God would be the leader of his people. They didn't understand it was Jesus. They didn't understand the sacrifice of Jesus. I think Isaiah probably did, but some of them didn't, right? And, but they would look to a leader who was compassionate and gracious. In other words, if you shut up and get your soul on its knees before God, God will take care of you. He will provide for you. He will give you grace. I'm not saying he's going to make you rich, but he's going to give you what you eternally need for sure. He is slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And if we are following Him, we will be the same way as our soul is submitted before Him. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. And that means God is not always going to be disciplining or chastising His people in such a way that it's really dangerous. But He will eventually relent of that anger. If you just turn to Him, He'll let it go. When I was younger, I had to go to my dad one time, and I had had done something wrong. My dad asked me to tell the truth. He said, just tell me the truth, son.
4: He said, tell me the truth. It'll be okay. And so I told him the truth. And then he whipped me. And then he gave me a cookie.
0: And I'm like, a little confused here. I didn't say that. I didn't say anything. I wasn't going to say nothing at that point. I still had tears on my face, whatever. And he says, I'm whipping you because of what you did was wrong. You need a cookie because what you did was right. But at the moment that I had to tell my dad the truth, I thought, well, I'll never get a cookie again. That's the way God is. God loves you. If He's doing something to chastise you, to turn you, He's doing it to turn you in the right direction so that He can reward your good behavior later. Our God will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. These things are blessings. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. It's a darn good thing because we'd all already be in hell. Nor rewarded or us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. These things are blessings. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. I love that song that we sang during worship to say is that Jesus became man and breathed in our dust. You ever hear that lyric? It's in there. You breathed our dust. You realize that? And I know it's kind of kind of sick when you think about it. But a lot of the time, those of you who have dust allergies, you know what that dust is. A lot of the time, not always, but a lot of time, it's human skin. Because every human on the face of the planet is losing his outer layer of skin right now as we speak and growing another one underneath. We have three layers, and the third one underneath is always replacing the outer one. So you're constantly—if you ever write on yourself, you can't seem to get off, and a couple days later it just disappears. It's because it fell off. Because it was on the, the ink was on the outer layer of skin. So it's everywhere. Human beings have inhabited, yes, have filled, yes, have ruled, yes, poorly, but yes, the earth. And God came to live amongst us. He knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Jesus knew exactly what it was to be a man, exactly what it was to be tempted. And you know what Jesus did while he was on earth? He submitted his soul. He said, Lord, my soul is down on its knees before you. Now, it was a battle to do so, and it will be for us as well. But God is able and willing. These are the blessings that we must remember in order to submit our soul. We're almost done. As for man, however, this is kind of a however, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he we flourishes. So we're all wrapped up in what happens with our body, what things taste like, what things look like, whatever. Look at everything that you're experiencing. It's all flippant. It's all like dust on the back of a flea. It's nothing. We like we look at our lives. We're like, it's a really big deal whether or not I get to eat today. It's a really big deal whether or not I get a promotion. a really big deal whether somebody says something to me I don't like. I was reading a devotional to Ariana just a few days ago. And there was a girl in there, and another girl said something mean to her. And this is what she said back. She said, I think you're stupid or something like that. And she said, well, you can say that. But I just want you to know that a lot of times you're a very nice person, and I kind of like being around you. And the girl said, "Yeah, well, I didn't really mean that you're stupid, and I'm sorry I even said it." Now, if somebody came up to you and said you were stupid, is that how you would respond? You know why not? You know why not? Because your soul ain't gonna take none of that crap. Because your soul is ready to defend itself. But you get your soul on your knees in front of God, and then you can do what Jesus said: take a slap of one you can go, okay. He so said, "I understand. We are required to defend our families. I understand you don't have to take every blow." Right, You can walk away, you can defend yourself, those are options. But there is a moment in time at which to stop saying, I don't like it the way it is, and start saying, this is the way God made it. And anything you do, as strong as you are, and as capable as you are, is going to be like those flowers on the grass, like we talked about last week, and here it's referenced again. Whatever you can do to get glory for yourself, if your soul runs amok... And you become the angry guy in your house and your whole family comes in line and does everything they're supposed to do or on your job site, right? And your whole, everybody works there, comes in line. They all do what you think they're supposed to do. You know what you got? In the end, all you have is a soul that's running amok and not on its knees before God. And how far you think that's going to take you? I'd be awful careful because it might take you all the way to hell. Jesus put his soul on its knees before God and we can do the same thing. Back to the beginning of 15 for one second. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. How often they raged. Think about it. Think about our history of humankind. You've heard of Adolf Hitler, right? Adolf Hitler was a man with his soul unleashed. Right? He killed millions of people because they were inferior He subjugated hundreds of thousands of citizens. He created the battle tactic called the Blitzkrieg and ran right over whole countries in less than a day. And then died. And if he didn't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which seems pretty unlikely, but I'm not judging, if he didn't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he's rotten in hell for eternity. Now you tell me, in hell for an eternity, do you think he would say, well, maybe I misspent my life?
4: I believe he would say that. If he's in hell.
0: His place no longer remembers him. There's a few people that still dawdle around like ignorant skinheads, anti racists but they're not doing that because of Adolf Hitler. They're doing that because they actually think the Aryan race is superior to others. And they're ignorant and their souls are running amok and they too will pay the ultimate price eventually for it. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That means on the number line it goes in both directions all the way. Beyond. The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Have you heard that phrase a couple of times already in here? Those who fear him? I hope so, because that's what we're going to close on. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and who remember his precepts to do them. To those who keep his covenant and who remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. I submit to you that God's sovereignty rules over your soul and your soul is just too stupid or too ignorant or too angry or too out of its box, too uncontrolled to submit itself to God. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in his strength who perform his word. That bless the Lord phrase, he said, angels, get down on your knees. Mighty in strength to perform his word. Get down on your knees before the God of heaven. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, all you people, all you armies who say you serve the Lord God, get down on your knees before the God of heaven. You who serve Him doing His will, get down on your knees before the God of heaven. Bless the Lord, all you works of His, all you works of God, get down on your knees before the God of heaven. In all places of His dominion, everywhere that God reigns, which is everywhere that is anywhere, Get down on your knees, oh my soul. Multiple times we hear the phrase, For those who fear him. I'm asking you today, will you submit your innards to the God of heaven? Will you put your soul down on its knees before God? If you have never done so, if you have never understood the importance of doing so, then you need to ask yourself, If indeed Jesus is Lord, because if Jesus is Lord, He is Lord of all of you, including your soul. If you if you know for a fact that Jesus is your Lord, but you realize that at times you've allowed your soul to get out of control, to seek its own desire, blow up in anger, blow up in frustration, sink into depression, get sad, feel hopeless, feel like you don't belong, all of those things then it's time you submit the last foothold of the enemy to the God of the universe.
4: Put your soul on his knees. You
0: are amazing. You are an incredible creation. You are able to do more than you could ever dream or think. And the main thing that's holding you back is an unruly soul. Even for Christians who love God and their heart loves God and their mind thinks about God and dwells on God, but when something gets out of control inside you and it affects the way you make your decisions, affects the things that you say, affects whether or not how you feel about God, you start feeling some sort of way that you didn't expect to feel. That's evil, either evil spirits or your soul out of control. Align your innards to God. Recognize how awesome He is. How much He deserves your respect. And put your soul on its knees before God. You're going to do this by not forgetting your blessings. Some of that's about thinking about God. It's about focusing on God. It's done through prayer or worship or reading the Bible or whatever or just stopping and thinking about all the things that God has done in your life to put you where you are today, some of them would be obviously miraculous. And some of them would be situationally providential, meaning it's just the way it worked out, but it seems like God might have been in control, you're pretty sure.
4: And I submit to you that if I were going to
0: define fear of the Lord, in this context, when he says those who fear the Lord, if I were going to define them, I would say it's those who put their soul on its knees before God. The, by, and some of them do it by not forgetting God's blessings, but I would definitely not forget God's blessings, even if that is by itself not enough to put your soul on its knees before God. You don't forget God's blessings, and you realize that there is no counterpoint to God's blessings. That's the problem. When I go, God, man, I'm so blessed. I have a beautiful wife, and she loves me. And then I say, but sometimes she irritates me in this way or that. I am listening to the counterpoints of the enemy. That is wrong. And at that moment, I should know enough to say, I'm not going to do that. I stop that right in its tracks. I rebuke that evil spirit. I just count my blessing. Just count. Just don't forget my blessings. Just live in, in light of my blessings. And I put my soul on its knees before God. But every time you counterpoint, every time you start thinking that so-and-so said, so-and-so did, and it's a reason not to be who you're supposed to be, not to behave the way you're supposed to be, I hear people say, well, he or she made me mad. They didn't make you mad. Your unruly soul made you mad. You get mad when, when your soul is in check and on its knees before God, you will get mad only if and when you decide to. That's the bottom line. And you say, no, I've got out of control anger. Yeah, it's because your soul is out of control. And you say, well, I don't know how to submit my soul. And you can't do it with God's help, without God's help. That's the bottom line. Now, I'm just, I'm not, harping on anger. I'm just using it as an illustration. It's just an illustration. It could be depression. It could be hunger. It could be a desire to collect things, right? It could be a desire to be a better person. Get this. You can try all your life to be a better person and your soul can go, well, I did better. I did better. Yeah, I'm doing better. I'm getting better. And the whole time your soul is unruly before God, because instead of saying God made me better, you're saying I did better. I'm getting better and get your soul on its knees before God, and then God will, you know what happens if God unleashes your soul inside you? Well, nothing ever be the same. You will be completely transformed from the inside out. That's the river of living water that Jesus is talking about. It doesn't show up in your brain. It shows up in your soul. But you got a bunch of weeds there, maybe. You got a bunch of problems there, maybe. You got a bunch of breakouts there, maybe. And what you got to do is you got to decide To allow God to be in charge of your soul. And you say, soul, get on your knees before God. The God who created everything, including me. The God who's literally in charge of everything, including me. The God who gave me everything I have, including me. The God who I will be with for an eternity, and you darn well better respect him, because one day he's going to take me home, and I'm not going to take any crap.
4: You ever been in a situation where you
0: went to somebody's house and if you're a parent, you might recognize this and your kid did something that was a little embarrassing? And maybe we're a team kid, you're working with a kid and you see a kid do a little something that's a little embarrassing and you go, man, I can't believe he even did that. Uh, I would never. And you have to pull him aside. You know, and you say, you're know ain't going to do that no more, son. Friend, you can't do that here. You're not allowed to do that. Right? We don't do that. But sometimes that's the way you got to treat your soul. Next time you're in a situation, maybe you're in one right now, And you know what it is that God wants you to do. there's something inside you that's saying, no. I'm not going to do it because I don't want to think that way. I don't want to appear that way. I don't want people to think about me that way. I'm not going to do it. You know what the problem is? You ain't in charge of your soul. When you get saved, you will be in charge of your soul. The next time you start to get out of control, blow up, lose a situation, you say, no soul. We're not going to do that here. We're going to serve God, the God of loving kindness and compassion who's one day going to take me home with him for an eternity, you will respect my God. This is one of the things I had to wrestle with. I still have to wrestle with it because I believe that I'm not there either. But I am now telling you, as I stand before you today, the next time my soul decides to get ugly, the next time my soul decides to lead me in a direction, and for me it's usually cowardice or timidness. That's usually my problem. Because that's who I was before I got saved. When my soul decides to lead me in a direction. You will see a different me. Because I'm going to say to my soul, get on your knees before God. And then we're going to live for the God of the universe,
4: my soul and me. Won't you join me and put your soul on its knees before God?
0: We're going to have a song of invitation at this
4: time. We're going to remember the incredible blessings of
3: God. Man, you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have not admitted that you are a sinner. You are not believing He is Lord, you, you are a Lord and Savior. somebody who tells you what to do. A Savior, somebody who the a price for your sins. You have not done that. You have not submitted yourself in your despair.
4: You have not done that. You have not done matter what anybody thinks. You watch them in the room and people have been thinking forever, hey, I'm saved. People think I'm saved. But I realize I'm not. because I'm not submitting myself to the Lord. It's you do that, then you will be saved. And if you're in the room today and you say, I know I'm a Christian, but I also know my soul is
3: messy. And, and FYI, literally everybody's soul was messy when they got saved. And it's a journey. If you realize you've not been submitting your soul to God, then you say, I'm doing that today. You submit your soul to God in this moment. And then later today, when things start to be out of control, you do it again. You'll call it are And we'll say, we're submitting our soul to God. If you stand with me and sing this song, and then if the Lord is needing you to respond
0: in some way, ask him to get your soul down today before God. John the Baptist said this way. He said, There is one coming. I must become less, and you must become greater. And that's your whole purpose. My whole purpose. When I become less, then you
3: become
2: greater. Get your soul down today. Oh, Lord, Jesus,
0: Living water fill you up from the inside. Ain't something straight it's something that just appears inside of you, wells up all over.
3: Set your soul. one last chance if someone wants to speak up and say something you can't otherwise we're going to close and uh, we're going to be free in this room for today but not through living for Jesus right that goes every moment of every day until Jesus comes again uh, or until we go
4: okay. somebody say boom boom thank you alright go be the church